Welcome to another one more episode tab with Sales with Aslan. It's good to see you, my friend, back in the studio. It's always good to be here. Always. I don't know why I always say Sales with Aslan tab. I think it's, like, yeah. it's, it's like I really only care about you. I don't care about our audience. And that's just not true. It's not. I care it's about other not. people. I do. I care yes. about all sellers, all leaders who, who yes. help those who sell. Um, <laughs> As our as our as our former podcast host Scott Cassidy used to say, you know what? He might be in the studio. Right oh, oh, now. wait a minute! Wait a minute! Whoop, wait a minute! Whoop. I think I see him. My, the guy that launched podcasting at Aslan Training and Development he is, is here. Him. The he guy, did. It's all Homecoming Week. Is it Homecoming it's, Week? It's in Georgia, home, where you are. It's Homecoming well, it's Week. Tennessee Week, but it's close. he is back. We have an alumni in the building. As I started, so as I started saying. A therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those sell for a living was authored by the man in the studio right here, Scott Cassie. Scott, yes. oh, give us that intro one more time. Yeah, come on. Welcome back to another episode of Sales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help, help those who sell for a living. <laughs> Without the pregnant pause, the whole thing comes apart. We could not pull that off, Tom. I no couldn't. I had to. world. Scott was such an amazing host, uh, and we're going to learn so a good. little bit that he's left us to be the VB, VP of a global you know, uh, marketing and channel, and you know, just back to the corporate world with a very know, important he, person, a very important person. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I, I couldn't follow that tab, so we had to come up with our own intro. <laughs> but yes, Mr. Cassidy, welcome back, my friend. Good to see you. Thrilled to be here. Can't believe the badge still works. It's good to be in your building. <laughs> yeah. Well, all the turnover we have, it is amazing. You still got it. <laughs> so good. So good. We don't have any turnover. We don't have any turnover if any clients are listening. Uh, but seriously, Scott, Scott and I uh, have been chatting, Tab, in, uh, over the last couple of weeks about the idea of why don't we serve the sellers who are managing a channel? Yes. And I love that because for two reasons. One, um, I love to talk about influence without authority, you know, mm -hmm. because when you're managing the channel, you can't, they don't report to you. Your, your partners don't report mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. So you've got to really learn how to influence. You've got to learn um, the challenges of influence. And there's another reason I want to do that as well, because a lot of our, a lot of our listeners, I think in the, in the companies that we serve have channel, channel reps, channel partners so um or sell through channel so so we uh, invited mr cassidy and then he brought somebody with him scott so uh why don't, yeah, you, let me uh, introduce. Why don't you why don't you introduce our our, our other guest on yeah the show? well you yes. know I've, I've been over here at, at vertive for about seven months and um i've been meeting a lot of you know, great folks. And I, I met this gentleman, Drew Hollywood Henderson. You might remember him from the, the, <laughs> yeah, the 70s. 70s Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys. The 70s Cowboys. I remember. By the way, you were you were better than Calvin Hill. Yes. There was <laughs> right. Calvin Hill, then Holly, then Hollywood Henderson, and then Dorset, I think. Yeah. yeah. Dorset's behind me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I brought Drew along because uh, he actually lives what we're going to talk about, living uh, out the channel, talking to both end users and channel partners alike, but has to, uh, like you said, influence without authority. And so we brought him along to give you the street's eye view of what that looks like over here at, at Vertiv. So we're excited to, to join you. Uh, Glad to be here, guys. Welcome, Drew. Thanks for joining us on this Friday. So, 
So tell us a little bit about your role. So, you know, what, what are, what are you, what do you kind of, what's success look like for you? And um, so we can understand some of the challenges you face and then talk about, um, you know, what's, what's the, you know, what are the, the biggest barriers and how are you overcoming those and, and how can you help our audience with what you've learned about selling through the channel? Absolutely. So I've got a four state region that I manage and it's, you know, I've got top line responsibility for those four states. Okay. Like, like Scott said, we've got, I mean, I've got eight brick and mortar LVO offices and that, and that is a, that's one of our rep offices out in the field. Okay. And so I've got eight of those and we've got our partner network. We've got national account teams that we work with integrators, mm -hmm. engineers. So it's like Scott said, it's just a host of different players involved in a single transaction. And so a lot of times we're running point on that deal. Yeah. And then a lot of times, like you said, we don't have the authority and we're just um, working through our dedicated partners. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're selling through uh, most of the time you're working with your partners who are reselling your solution direct. Right? That's right. And so yeah. you're kind of there to support coach advise educate and, sometimes uh, you have to uh, officiate right drew? Officiate, <laughs> officiate. now drew do you do you actually join sales calls with them or is it more behind the scenes do you do both yeah i do both there's there's times that i'm an individual contributor on okay on so yeah it, it really is a mixed bag and uh, and each one is different. And, you know, there's times that we're selling through a partner who is selling mm -hmm. to a contractor even. So it's, wow. uh, it's interesting. It's uh, the way the level. Works. Yeah. Which I would imagine that m developing your message or how you position your solution is really key because if you're going to, if you're going to help others deliver a message about your solution and make sure it has impact, you have to have that down pretty tight. You can't change that too much. I mean, you need to be able to communicate that very, uh, very succinctly and make sure it can be duplicated. Absolutely. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Okay. And, and you know, our, our ultimate goal is to just get to the table and to be that trusted partner to our partners mm -hmm. so that, you know, they'll put us in a situation where we can be successful. And that's where we find success is when we can directly influence the end customer. Got it. So let's talk about that trusted partner because I think one of one of the uh, challenges we've seen uh, in working with channel channel partners or channel reps is that they're not seen as trusted partners. They're seen as people who provide education. You know, they come by, bring the donuts, bring food, check on people. Hey, did you know we have the latest? Blah 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 blah. Here's our <laughs> price sheet. Oh, by the way, if you sell this much, we'll give you this much. You know, we'll yes. give you this. There's a spiffs and right, and and, and that, or there's a problem. Hey, we need a price. We need a we need to decrease this price because, you know, it's well, they call it our, you know, it's 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 too expensive. And if you want to win this deal, you got to cut your price. So you, that's sure. usually the role. So how do you shift from being that guy or woman to being a trusted partner, and what does that look like? Well, you know, you just have to go through the process with your partners um, because Tom, they feel pressure in different areas than an end customer would, right? What mm -hmm. they, There's different things that um, they're trying to accomplish in their day-to-day -day that we may not know. So we still have to experience that, that drop the rope moment where they actually kind of, you know, consider us in their inner circle and they're, they're giving us, you know, the facts that we need so that we can go out and drive business in their direction. And they will, 
you know, put us in places where we can help them. Um, and we're not just a number, you know, that's a, mm-hmm. it's a tough thing to do. It takes a little bit of time to get there. So how do you do that? Go ahead, Scott. I was just going to jump in just for a little color on our, on our business, because, you know, at Vertiv, we are not the, uh, the number one player. You guys know who the number one player is because uh, mm-hmm. A, you've served them as well. And, and we've, I've worked there for a long time. Being the hungry second is a, is a very, um, interesting spot for us and i think when we go in as drew's alluding to we need to completely understand what's in it for the partner to work Mm -hmm. with someone who's not that number one player who is the hungry second and i think Mm -hmm. understanding their corporate goals their individual goals like drew's talking about we're able to uh you know dig in and understand and 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 in the vernacular of aslan take the trip right get around to that rep what that owner of that reseller business really cares about. So sorry to interject there, but that's- No, I think that's, that's, that's a really good. Business. And I would imagine the key to that, the first key is that to get to the real decision makers. Exactly. And I always, I always like to say real, meaning the person who's really ultimately driving what's happening in that business is who you've got to gain access to versus just working at the, at the you know, with the reps who are reselling, because if it's not coming from top, the top, they're probably not going to support it. So how do you, if that's true, how do you um, gain access and get to the people that are really driving the business and determining what, what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, for me, I believe it's that we have to take it upon ourselves to get to the end customer. There's nothing more beautiful than you can sit down with a, with a customer and really get to understand their needs, put a solution together and drive that back through the channel. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the holy grail deal right there. <laughs> so you, in other words, you go, you go win the business and then give it to the partner. So you're just right. feeding them. I mean, you're right. like, yeah, right. right. And it's, it's, they still have to, you know, training got a fish, right? I mean, yeah. we have to still be able to go out there and consult with those partners, get to understand and how they get paid. You know, what accounts do they have and really what makes the business tick inside of that organization. But man, that's a, that's a great jump off point when you can bring a deal to the table. You know, yeah. in, in my past, Tom, you know, way back when in the Kodak days that you and I've talked about, uh, we had a broker network. And I remember the, the, the best working partnership type relationships were when you're bringing them deals and mm-hmm. they're bringing you deals. You're both out yeah. working kind of uh, together, but independently, if that makes sense. Right. So if, if Drew's out, you know, finding end users that he's gifting, gifting to the, to the right. partner. Uh, that starts to build that trust, that relationship that then they're coming with deals and they're asking for his support on. And, and, and if that's working universally across all of the Drews across Vertiv, as well as the inside sales reps that support them, now you've got a machine that starts, you, starts to crank. You're doubling your sales force. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and the, the bottom line is you've got to bring value to the businesses that you serve. Correct. You've got to figure out, which usually means it's more than what you just offer. Like you offer, right. You have, you have solutions, right. You can hold them, right. You can see them, but there's other solutions that you can bring to the table that you don't get comped on, but the, your customers need every decision maker you serve has something on their whiteboard that you, that, that that's most important or important to them. And if you can somehow figure out how to help them, which in this case, you're saying I'm bringing them actual revenue, right. And handing the lap, that's a way of serving your customers. That's right. So is, is that so what you're saying is that's one of the ways that you gain access to the to the to the power in the organization is by doing something for the organization. 
Yeah, that's right. Just just to bring something to the table, so we're not the guy standing there with our hand out, you know, every day. And um, you know, and a lot of times in this recruitment and this onboarding, yeah. it's it's just it's great to be able to bring something to the table so that they can see you in action and really get to understand the capabilities that we bring to the end customer. And to your point, there's a lot that they bring that we don't get paid on. Yeah, there's a lot of peripherals I would call it that go around our equipment where a, a deal that's X for me, it could be a lot bigger for them. And so, yeah, they, they tend to You're appreciate part it. of it. That's right. They appreciate it and reciprocate it in a lot of cases. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw something on there, Tom, to your question that, that I think, you know, sort of um, brings us closer to our partners and makes us part of a, a long-term relationship. And that's, you know, the convenience aspect, the, uh, ease of doing business, right? So the, the easier as a vendor that you are to do business with, the more, um, the, the deeper that relationship can go. And I'll just give you an mm. example. I mean, if you, if you spiff a bunch of sales reps at, at a place or you really educate them and you train them and you give them all the great tools and templates that make them, you know, uh, enable them to learn your products, but then you don't have product in <laughs> <laughs> your warehouse when they start selling it, that, that would be a bad thing, right? And yeah, so right. Um, that's to, a to bad be, thing to be exactly to be able to um, do all those things that I just mentioned and be easy to do business on the finance, on the accounts payable, on the accounts receivable, on the delivery and the installation and even the services side. Now you're talking about a complete package that makes a good partner. And I think, you know, it, when Drew's out selling, he's selling that whole package, right? That the ability to have a company that's kind of standing behind you and delivering and doing what they say they're going to do, which I think is, mm. uh, is an aspect that, you know, can get lost in a channel business because let's face it, UPS is kind of, kind of a commodity. A lot of people have them. A lot of people can sell them. If I'm a reseller, I want to do business with the company that has great technology, but great company and convenience behind it, if that makes yeah. sense. I think that's a really good point that I, that's going, to, that also helps you address the value gap, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just about price and they're looking at equipment and they're like, your equipment costs this and their equipment costs this. And they're like, okay, if you're comparing equipment, and it seems like it does the same thing. That's a hard get, that's a hard battle to win. It's a, it's a difficult challenge to overcome. But what separates you, as you were saying, Scott, it's the, it's not only the what you offer, but it's how and who. Right. So the who is Drew. I like the way that sounded. Right? Say it again. You're not talking about the band. Say it again. The who is Drew. So yeah. what do you bring? What do you know as you work with all your partners and you leverage all the resources that you have inside of Verdict and all the people that all the thought leaders in your business and inside your company, outside your company with it, you're bringing that knowledge to the table. And then also your process, what you're saying, how you, how you deliver it, what you do. And the more you understand what's on the decision makers whiteboard and you know what they care about and what they're trying to accomplish and where they're, how they're trying to grow their business the more you can package the total solution around what, how, and who, and how you personally can support them. Support them. And if you're part of the team, like, hey, yeah, we're, we are a little bit more expensive. And here's why, because I'm worth a lot. I'm going to help you take, if we switch the conversation from, I'm going to sell you this product for X or X minus <laughs> to, I want to help your business go from a $20 million business to a $30 million business. Well, that's a totally different discussion. Yeah. 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 Sure is. Yeah. It was funny. I, I was, I worked with another, one of our clients, same world, same 
general idea and was getting some pushback. Drew, you probably had this on pricing. You know, there was just a little change in some pricing. Right. <laughs> and, and I loved it. The guy goes, hey, I hear you. You know what? It's so funny. Uh, we are raising the price by X percent, but and 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 you had just I don't know if you remember this when we talked last about I guess it was six months ago and you were telling me that that our relationship seems invaluable. All the times I've helped you close deals that you would have never closed and helped you negotiate things and bring some knowledge to the table. So he goes, Do you think that's worth the two percent? Right. And it was just <laughs> silence. It was silence, and the guy's like. All right, you got me. You're exactly right. But no, <laughs> well but that's played. the point. But yeah. but how quickly the guy forgot yeah. all the value that the Drew brings to the table. This yeah. is a I think this is a really important topic because I know in a lot of industry, especially for people who are managing accounts, and essentially that's kind of what you're talking about, Drew. At mm -hmm. some level, you're managing accounts, right? You have a relationship with them and you're you have the you can you you want to keep that account, you want to grow that account, you want to defend that account. Um, and they, you do things for your account, right. And they're happy to, to, uh, receive the benefit of the things that you do for them. But they, when it comes time to talk about, you know, either giving you access to people or learning about your additional solution or paying more, there's a lot of reps who have a hard time bringing that up. That's right. Is there any keys or secrets that you can share or pro tips, as people like to say, um, of how to, to to bring up, like you like to have the example you just gave, Because, uh, but how do you bring up, so no, here's the ways I've been serving you and the value that I bring and not feel like you need to take a bath? Yeah, I, I guess it depends on, you know, the partnering question and the history. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you said, when you're a pricing vehicle, Man, receptivity is in the basement. I mean, you don't yeah. have you don't have any visibility to the customer, and there's really no way to get to the table unless you can make the partner receptive. The first battle you got to fight is making the partner receptive. You yeah. can't even get to the customer yet because you need the partner to be receptive to going in there, winning some business with you guys. Right, and that's just it's a different conversation because things that are going to increase uh, receptivity through a partner are obviously different conversations and you're going to have with an end customer and prices. If, if it's always price, then it's always going to be zero. You're never going to have any yeah. receptivity in that account as, until you can move the discussion past price and more about his business needs or the company's business needs and goals. And if I, I might just jump I just in wanna... Tom, with some live ammo here. Cause I yeah. just, I just, I just, uh, I don't sell for this company, but um, I, I, you know, run a marketing group and some channel programs. And, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do is help build a managed service provider program for the company. Mm. So managed service mm. providers are when, when a small company decides they want to outsource their IT, like Aslan may mm -hmm. outsource your information technology network stuff to a partner called a managed service provider. Well, mm -hmm. I was at a trade show, got talking to a managed service provider that doesn't know us from Adam. They, they've mm -hmm. never heard of Vertiv. And I started using my Aslan training and asking them questions about their business and realized that one of their, one of their holes in their strategy was as much as they knew about security and call centers and telephony for mm -hmm. their clients, they didn't have a robust strategy for rolling out what sits in the top of the rack and what sits in the bottom of the rack, the mm -hmm. IT rack. Yeah. Right? right. So they 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 would just piece together whoever, you know, whoever they could get the cheapest UPS from or the cheapest, right. you know, there was no strategy behind it. Mm -hmm. So I said, 
you know, let, let's talk a little bit about this. And for the last couple months, that conversation through me understanding their business has led us to not only do our UPS and, and, mm-hmm. and um, uh, PDUs, which are these, you know, the surge strips that are in there, the racks themselves, not only is that applicable, but a lot of our IT solutions, a, a product group called Avacent, those products could be completely complementary to their security strategy, mm-hmm. which they would have never found, never thought of, unless I was just asking them about, you know, their business and where they had holes in their strategy. And so that could be a, not only a partner for years to come, but could be immediate revenue in certain areas. And again, it goes back to just understanding their business, which is what Drew uh, was just talking about. And I think it's an important thing that all sales marketers too, like we, we've all got to lead with understanding what is on that customer's whiteboard before we start selling. And I, I think, I, I think you guys are really hitting on something so important and true to so many people in sales is there, and I used to do this when I first was in business. I mean, I kind of sold through the channel. I would call on real estate agents. I was a loan officer and I would stop by and I would tell them about my rates and what we had. And if they could refer business to our company and I got commission off that. Right. And I never had the, as a young seller, I never had the, like the conversation, the real conversation, you know, like I would have the, Hey, let's do this or let's go play golf or, (laughs) Hey, I'll take you to a movie. I took people to, I never had the conversation like, and you mentioned Drew of taking the trip where you're really taking the trip. You're seeing their point of view, you're understanding their business. And, and it starts with receptivity, but I think receptivity comes when you're willing to say things like, my goal is to help you grow your business. I can't do that without understanding your business, yeah. right? That's what I want to do. So if we're going to partner together, I got to get to know, do you want to do that? Yeah. And so when you do that and you have that, you take the trip and you can feed it back to them and you have that aha moment, Scott, where you're like, okay, this is, you don't have a strategy and here's why it matters. And here's how it connects to your overall plan. Now that's when you need to sell them on the partnership. You say, here's the things I'm going to do for you. And this is what, you know, it's kind of like a fork in the road conversation. We can do this, we can work together and I'm going to do all these things for you. And then I'm going to help you do your business. And this is how it's going to work. Are you in? And they may, it might be a little early and you might have to work your way through that. I think the reason people do the work, the free work, and they never get any benefit because they never have that conversation. You know, it's a good point, Tom. And when you, when you really listen to some of these partners, they all get what's called MDF, marketing development funds, or yeah, you know, it right. comes out of what's called contra revenue, but there's yeah. revenue that, that they bring to you. You give back in the form of a, almost like a rebate that they can spend on marketing. Well, yeah. Guess what? Some of these small partners are challenged with. They have no idea what to do with their marketing budgets that yeah. we give them. They just yeah. don't have that expertise. And want any money? So yeah, they, they'll take the money, but if they can't spend it on marketing, we don't let them spend it, right? right. So oh, oh, God, yeah. back me up on this. Like, so if they've got yeah. a, if they've got a dearth of of talent, they don't yeah. have the talent to do that. What if companies like us were to offer marketing as a service, as an addition to the partnership effort, where we can mm-hmm. say, let us help you figure out. By understanding your business, what's the best use of those dollars? It might be more events. It might be, you know, uh, having a golf tournament with your client. It might be, you know, uh, you know, running a social media campaign. But whatever that is, let us help you because we do have that expertise as a bigger company. Uh, and, and it's just, again, understanding, is that a challenge area for them? And mm-hmm. is this a, a, an offer that has really nothing to do with our technology? Yeah. It has to do with the type of people we hire and the programs we put together. Yeah. So if you know what's on what they're trying to accomplish and you bring the, and you can bring value, then you can, then you can have tough conversations. And I think it's really important for, for account managers. I'm just going to 
um, use that title as a catch-all, that if you don't have the conversations with them about that and what you're going to do together and what you expect them to do and get clarity on, we're going to do this, you're going to do this, and here's how we're going to work together, they don't respect you. It, 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 they, they, you now don't belong. You don't belong on the carpet. You're back on the concrete. You need to go back to the IT room. It's like, you don't, you don't, you don't need to feel it needs to be a, because you need to choose you're good. Right. So I choose who I can serve. And if I can't serve you, like I remember meeting when we were working with sharp and we were, we'd walk to into a reseller and, you know, and, and we'd like, well, what do you get? And I'd be with them. And I'd start asking the, you know, those questions. I take the trip and, what do you want to do with your business? Like we're retiring. I mean, we're just like, are you hiring any more sales reps? No, basically I'm going to keep selling and I'm going to ride this thing in the, and we're not growing at all. We're just going to maintain. I don't want the hassle. I'm like fire them. Yeah. They don't right. need you. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that reseller. It's like, this isn't some place you need to spend their time, but if you don't have that conversation, but if they do have it and say, no, we're trying to build, all right, here's how I'm going to help you do that. And if I do that, what's the relationship going to look like? Um, Again, you're not trying to force anybody, but you're just being clear. Yeah. It's interesting. I remember, I, and Tom, I may have told you this story years ago. I was a first-year sales rep selling copiers in the Bronx and Harlem. Yeah. Had this one Easy customer that wow. I went to a couple yeah. of Yankee games with. And, uh, you know, I had I had the guy that sat in the cube next to me go, is that guy ever going to buy anything from you? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. And he goes, you think so? Because you're like wasting a lot of time and money on him. And <laughs> think so is not paying any bills. <laughs> yeah, think is, yeah. Yeah, really There's a chance. <laughs> but he loves the Yankees. He loves, yeah. I, I, was guilty. I literally took a guy golfing, I bet 20 times. I don't know, maybe that's strong, 10 times. Yeah. He never once referred anything to him. I just kept playing golf. We never had any conversation. We just kept playing golf. I mean, I did like playing <laughs> golf. And I do appreciate the company paying for him to play golf and me. Yeah. But he was yeah. now yet. It's like, well, I hope hope is not a strategy. Is nope. Yeah. No, you gotta you gotta have those tough conversations. And they don't have to be tough, right? It's it's more it's more curiosity, like you said at the beginning of this mm -hmm. uh tab. You're just curious uh sales reps can do very well just in terms of asking questions about the business and um yeah, I think I think Drew, you you guys, you know, took the training from Aslan. I mean, obviously, Verta's a good client of Aslan's, and you've been applying it for uh, for the better part of this year, and um, it seems like it's paying off. Oh, it, it's it's paying off, and you know, I'll say this about the training is, you know, you sit through some of these courses, and we've all sat through a bunch of them, right? And and it's just it's always about the quid pro quo. It's um, yeah. you know, uh, tell me yeah. more, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, and you finally get to where you need to be. And it's okay, okay, if you give me this, which is money, I'll do this for you in return. And right. what I love about this is it's 100% about serving the customer. Sometimes you lose the business. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, and it's just also a good life practice, right? It's just mm -hmm. serving other people, serving your customers. And you're, you're going to win deals. And you're going to lose some. But that, that's the big difference between most of the ones I've sat in yeah. and, and this one. It's just the uh, that element that you're not really – you want something in return, but you're willing to live without it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. There is a, and it's, we always say this at Aslan, you're, you're more successful and you're more fulfilled when you truly want to serve. Yeah. Um, it's genuine, but I want to add something to what you said. And, and cause you probably didn't mean that you serve everybody. You do have to choose who you serve because there are customers you don't need to be serving. That's right. Right. So when you, yeah. you know, when you, and when you choose, it's, it's, you first have to choose cause you can't serve everybody. Uh, it's because you just don't have the time. 
right? So, so then all the other people don't get really served well that need to yeah. be served well. So yeah. There are yeah. certain people you There's can't serve. Choice, yeah. So talk a little bit, Drew, about um, the winning the value game or differentiating your solution. What have, what has worked for you in the market as you've worked with your partners? I think a lot of people struggle with that when, again, it, it seems like it's a commodity, right? It's hard to differentiate. And so you just said, when you can't differentiate, you go with cheaper. That's right. And we talked yeah. about, you know, your process and that, but is anything that you've, you've seen, you know, any specific strategies or skills or tools that you've been able to leverage to help you win the price war and establish value? Yeah. yeah I mean, hundred percent when you, when you do have value and you can put that on the table, then price becomes a moot point. I got a little bit of a, I guess, a quick story. Um, you know, there was a, a, a project we worked on K-12 and I didn't know the partner. I didn't know the end customer. We weren't the incumbent. And, um, it's just long story short, we were able to get the partner to, you know, work with us to the point where we could meet with the customer. And listen, he had a business case that was very simple. He, he had a pain point when it came to disposing of existing UPS systems, right? There's a, there's a battery in there, Tom, and mm-hmm. got to dispose of it in an environmentally friendly way, right? There's some mm-hmm. red tape there. And yeah, we were just able to, by working through the partner and getting to the table, we were able to understand that pain point for him and just fanatically focus on just that. We didn't talk price. We didn't talk anything else. And look, he knows where to buy our equipment. He knows where to buy our competitors' equipment. It was just conversations that did not happen. And it was just trusting that process and mm-hmm. just every day, just getting back in there and keep stay stay fanatically focused on his needs um, long story short just getting to the table working through his needs we we're able to secure the business it's long-term rollout type type things but mm-hmm. um i guess i guess the the point i'm trying to make is you win the partner and you get the partner to trust you and you get to where you can serve that partner in a way that he wants you to be there with him he wants you to be in his pocket and when you can do that and you can get to the table with some of these end customers, special things can happen. And at that point, we can deliver our capabilities and mm-hmm. go out there and compete. You know uh, what I love about this I story? Love is, I love that. You know, when I think about as a marketing guy, you, you've got some core competencies that you talk about. You know, you've got your, your, your bullet points that you talk about in the market. And mm-hmm. I would never think to talk about our battery disposal capabilities <laughs> it's, it sounds very sexy although that never. is my favorite that's my favorite aspect of your solution the, way, the, the disposal, disposal of old batteries I always just every time i acid. think about ups and i by the way I, we had to buy a huge system from verta recently and i that was the first question i asked scott was battery disposal yeah i'm sure i like looked I, him right in the eye and i said you tell me what your battery disposal is are you I, care about my environment. <laughs> I thought we were just going to put them in tom's pool somewhere but but the point is like when when you are curious and ask good questions and get to the table like you said drew you you find out things that you don't even know as a business if you can do but when you're creative and that's what the customer needs you know you might come back into the the vertive management team and go hey if we did this we could win this deal and you know 
good companies will be flexible and, and change some things. I mean, it, right. it could be anything non-product related that could be the difference between partnership and not partnership. Right. And if it makes sense for both businesses, it makes sense to do. So it's, uh, Man, it's such a it, great story. That's a great point, Scott, that you're bringing up that I want to highlight is like a lot of times we, we, you know, we talk about influence without authority. A lot of time we have to influence internally, which we certainly don't have before. Yeah. We have to influence up. And when yeah. you can walk in the door and you can say, here is the pain right? Or here's what's happening in this business. Here's the opportunity in this business. And they can tell the, you know, you know, you're working with the right people, you know what you're talking about. And then you tell them what you need, who wouldn't give it to you. It's the, yeah. it's, it's the rep that comes in and says, Hey, I need a discount. Why? Well, cause we're going to lose the business. Well, yeah. it, well, what do you, who do you know? Well, I know this person, what's their title. I don't, I mean, I can know their title, but what's their, you know, what's their role in the decision-making process? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, how many have you done an assessment of the organization? No. They just told me <laughs> they just want a better price. They just want a better that's right. price. And they don't care and about I, anything else. I need to, that's exactly what I did <laughs> when I was early in my career. I'm like, we got a lower rate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. We got a lower care. rate. How can we? Yeah, I think that you're highlighting it. Also, I want to get your response to this thought. I think the number one reason people have struggled differentiating and building value and they lose the price game is because they come in late and, and they're low. It's late and low. Right. They come in late and they're working too low in the organization. Right. And when you, and, and sometimes you can't help that. Yeah. Sometimes you can't help that, but what do you tell your partners about, Hey, you're late and you're low. <laughs> you're coming in with the people who are, who have no authority. They're looking for you to fit this criteria and they're looking for a price. And they, you don't have any influence with these people because they don't really care. They're getting judged on buying something that fits that criteria. They're no, they don't care about outcomes. So right. how do you, how do you coach your partners uh, to move upstream and back the deal up? Right. You know, kind of say, look, I'm late and low, but I want to change that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that you got to coach them on is when in our world, when a bid comes out, it's too late. I mean, a lot of times that's just a, a formality for mm -hmm. those guys to have a competitive procurement. I mean, they already know what they want and they're going to go with whatever they want at the end of the day. Right. Um, so there's some coaching there where you need to get ahead of that bid and, and actually drive the spec. Uh, and that takes, that takes a little bit of trust. It takes that it takes working with partners who are actually close to the, the customer as well. There, there's we have a lot of different type of partners, uh, Tom. There's distribution partners, there's contractors, there's integrators, and right. these guys are in different places in the procurement chain. And uh, you know, so ideally, you want to work with those partners that are the closest to the wallet, so that you have a better chance to get to the table. Right, that helps it, you. That's right, your partners. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But to your to your point, when you don't have that then there's just like this, this massive push internally to just have a deviation of price so that you can go out there and hope, hope you get lucky. Um, mm -hmm. Can't forecast it because you don't know if you're going to win it or not. It's just a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scott, you got to say, you, you know, it's a little bit of the Jerry Maguire uh, principle. Like you, you can, you know, we could put up and say we have, you know, 10,000 partners and yeah. that might be great. Cause you know, 9,000 of them bought, bought one thing once and you know, we count them. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's it's much better to have a deep working, you know, symbiotic relationship with a smaller number of partners, right? And and I think that's in our phase of development where we're really focused now at, at Vertiv. It's really to 
build the right amount of partners that that care as much about solving their customer problems as we do and vice versa. And I think when when you when you think of it that way, right, um, you can have metrics at big companies that say, we're going to incent everybody to just go out and get as many partners as, as we can. And that might work for a while. But at the end of the day, what, you, what do you really care about? You care about serving the customer and you care about revenue for both companies, uh, revenue and whatever metrics they consider, profitability metrics that they consider. But you've got you've to be open to changing your strategy as you develop on both sides, both as a partner and as a, as a corporation mm -hmm. that serves them. I like that idea because it's what, what I'm hearing you say as I'm applying this is that you can, you can look at a, a partner opportunity, you know, whoever we're applying this to and look at it and go, look, this is who we are. And this is the type of people we serve. And this is how my solution fits. And this is the impact. If, if you don't want to um, adopt the right process for evaluating the solution, and you don't care about these things, I I've told, I've told, um, you know, potential customers, I'm not interested. And it's yeah, interesting. I'm not sure if a I can lot help of, you. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, right. in other words, in other words, if I'm, I look at them and say, either you're going to back this process up and we're going to do it the right way uh, as you evaluate the solution. And I'm going to, I need to learn from the people and what they're trying to do because we need to put together a solution based on solving a problem, not just specking. And if they're not willing, and I'm not saying this applies to everybody on every deal, but if they're not willing to do that, then I've said, then I'm not interested in, in participating. I, you won't believe the number of times people say, oh, okay, well, we'll change then. Yeah. yeah. And then when yeah, you back it up and you understand all that, and then, <laughs> and then they come to you and then they say, all right, now we want to, now we want to negotiate. Yes, and I go, right. why? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a, a purchasing the other day on an opportunity, like we'd already sold it basically. And they're like, well, we'd like a discount. I'm like, why? They don't, they didn't know what to say. <laughs> Cause I've been trained to say, just ask yeah, for a discount. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not negotiating. It's in some handbook somewhere that you're supposed yeah. to get it for less. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to say, Tab? Uh, no, I was, I was going to say, I think we are, I know I just, we're, we're heading towards the end of our time together. I know I see it a tear. You're Scott. always such, uh, the, uh, you're such, you're such a stickler. I am. For, as a co-host, like he's uh, just, he's true. He's you know, the pressure it is to be a co-host. You have no power. You have no mm. real reason to exist, but, but I get to be sure we take care of our listeners and we don't drone <laughs> on and on. I, you know, Drone. I got to do something. I really don't feel like I was droning, but no, 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 I'm stopping us before there's any droning, Scott. I'm not going to let Oh, we haven't droned to this point. <laughs> no droning. Uh, well, thanks, Tabby. I do. I agree. I, I think uh, it's been a great. Oh, Scott's holding up the book. Oh, Thank you, my got friend. The book well, it's not just the book, Tom. It's autographed by someone named Tom Stonfield. I think he's Stonfield, French. Stonfield, yeah. French, right. yes. Scott, he's yeah. Scott's holding up my book for those of those you uh, are seeing this video. Um, changed his life, Tom. Changed now his time. life. Saved uh, my marriage, changed my life, got me a new career. Mm -hmm. By the way, I signed like that, Scott, because I saw someplace when I was younger that if you're famous and you sign, you, you can't, you're not supposed to be able to read your signature. Oh, you know what? You uh, know, so you know, your time. Yeah, that is illegible. Yeah, you can't, you can't read it. I mean, you know, I love it. Can't read the book uh, either, but yeah. no, I'm kidding. Books you can't good. read the book and I'm certainly not famous, but I, you know, it's a goal. It's a goal. <laughs> Drew, any, any, uh, thanks for being with us, my friend. Yes. I, I know you're, you're out, you're, you're, we're keeping you from your customers. We really appreciate it. This has been super valuable. Any, any last, um, 
thoughts you want to leave us with or, or tips or strategies, yeah. recommendations, baking tips, travel, ex- <laughs> travel recommendations. Now we're and, opening up a whole you know, world. Fashion advice, anything that you want to say before we say goodbye. Close us Close out. out. Well, I, I will say that we need a home addition to the, the training. So maybe that's a book you can write. I think it'd be good to have. So, you know, I'm just going to like put- it. I'm going to put that out there. Um, uh, uh, my friend, I would love to do that. Yeah. Apply the principles idea. at home. Yeah. Uh, I guess the big thing for me is just trust, you know, get into the training, trust the process and, uh, you know, see what happens with it. And you got to pull, you know, what's going to apply to your day to day and mm. just go there and trust it and apply it. And, and good luck with selling. Thanks, Drew. Excellent. I appreciate Thank it. You, Drew. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Scott. Good to see you, my friend. Hope you're, you could come back soon. Always happy to. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of Sales with Aslan. If you dig the show, let us know. The comments help us produce a better show. It also helps other people find us. So appreciate your comments. Uh, and again, thank you for joining us for another episode of Sales with Aslan. Mm-hmm.